We hope you enjoy our homily podcast. Please consider supporting the ministry of Our Lady of Lourdes by donating to the Future Full of Hope Capital Campaign at lourdesdenver.org. We are so grateful for your support. Well, happy Lent. Welcome to Lent. I don't know if it's happy, blessed, whatever people say. Yeah, graces of Lent. So I'm kind of giggly, but I... (laughs) Father Brian was just bragging to me earlier that he worked this great Justin Bieber quote into his homily. (laughs) So I went looking for some white snake or Lady Gaga or something. But I have resolved and um, can only stand listening to opera and uh, punk rock for Lent. So um, couldn't find it. You're not going to get it. Not tonight. You can go look, search inspiring quotes from Justin Bieber or check out his, uh, his homily on, what is it? Is it like a, on the website? I don't really go looking for those things, but anyway, <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard that they post them. All right, so I wanted to preach a little bit about um, going back to basics tonight. We, we often see that just after uh, Ash Wednesday and into Lent, some people come back to Mass who haven't been practicing for a while, and um, quite sincerely um, want, to, want to make a change in their life and um, come back and draw closer to God. So um, I applaud that. I welcome you. Welcome to Lord's. God bless you with that resolve. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and I wanted to just preach a little bit about um, the very basic message of the Christian uh, life. Um, is that okay? I, w- I know that there, a lot of you um, will already know this stuff, but um, you'll get something, I think. Um, they say, repetitio mater memoria est, right? <laughs> um, repetition is the mother of all learning. Um, okay, so... What is the basic kerygma? If you were asked, what is the message of, of Christianity? What is the message that we tell? What's the story that we tell? What are you going to respond? Well, the simplest way, called the kerygma, or we call it, yeah, that's a Greek word for a shorthand for the message. The kerygma is that God created us out of love. We fell, and we're born into a fallen world. So Jesus has come to rescue us, sent by God, God himself becoming a human being to rescue us, and uh, has saved us by his death and resurrection, and is bringing the world back to God, um, perfecting the world, making it good again, and, um, and then promising us something after this world that's perfect, right? So it's this, God made us for good, we fell, we need salvation, God saves us, and we're being restored to that goodness and that presence of God. That's the kerygma, right? That's what you're going to tell them at the bar when you're having a drink and somebody says, oh, yeah, what is a Christian belief? Um, yeah, the kerygma. So the, the readings actually bring us back to this, the same, uh, same questions. But it frames it in terms of lineage. It asks the question, where do you come from? What's your lineage? Um, my dad did this swab test. You ever seen that? They swab out their mouth and then somebody tells them you're like 30% Swedish or whatever. Uh, it's, people are curious about their lineage. And uh, part of the Christian tradition, the Judeo-Christian tradition, says that 
Unfortunately, as it is, we come from a long line, or I'll speak for myself. I come from a long line of liars, of creeps, of uh, violent people, dangerous people, uh, losers, people who are cowardly, people who fail other people and make them miserable, people who are difficult to love. Luckily, we all do. I can say the same about you. <laughs> uh, we all trace ourselves back to this problem that is inherited, this problem of evil, that I'm not perfect, and part of that is because I make bad choices. I make real mistakes. But I've also inherited a whole way of being, of vices, um, even genetic propensities toward uh, evil. Isn't that strange how that works? I'm born into a world that influences me, and before I even know it, I'm convinced of doing things that aren't for my own good and don't help the world. We fall into sin. This is what we call original sin, that we're influenced in spite of ourselves. And I see that. I know that in my family there's a whole strain of depression, and that makes me sad. I wish I wasn't born with that, but I was. People are born with all kinds of um, weaknesses. I was, I was born a stubborn young, well, I don't know, stubborn guy. Uh, I know where that comes from. That comes from great-grandma Tekla. <laughs> she was a homesteader in Minnesota, and she went out in the forest, and it gets cold there, and she would build the cabin, and she, she would, they would say, stay inside, Grandma Tekla, and she would go right outside and start building again, and she would freeze her feet. And so they say, stay inside, Grandma Tekla, and she goes back out there. She froze her feet nine times, and then she died of blood poisoning because of her frozen feet. She's stubborn. And Grandma Tekla was hard to live with because of her stubbornness, and I'm hard to live with if you only knew, and I am very stubborn. We inherit these kinds of things. But it's hard to trace where they come from. In fact, they go back and back and back and back and back. There have never been human beings, this is our claim, that aren't affected by the fall. That's kind of shorthand for life is a mess. In a certain degree, it scandalizes us all. It ropes us into uh, a corruption of ourselves that needs for salvation, right? We need to be rescued. Thanks be to God, we are not only born and descended of this fallen Adam and Eve. Um, the letter to the Romans today has Paul triumphantly announcing that that we no longer come from the line of Adam, that you can be born of Jesus Christ, you can share in a death where he put an end to the life of Adam and the fall, and he gave life anew. He gave a new life that every person who is baptized and lives in faith as a grace from Christ, a gift from Christ, is a new creation. We can say with confidence and with joy and with dignity and uh, with great peace that we come from the line of Jesus. And 
know? Who can trace themselves to anyone greater than that? And because of our lineage, we inherit something that is so much more powerful than the fall. We inherit the Holy Spirit, new life. At the beginning, God breathed life into human beings. That's a word, uh, ruach, in Hebrew. Have you heard that? Father Brian likes to talk about ruach. Um, It's, what did they call that thing? Uh, Onomatopoeia. You remember that thing? Uh, It sounds like what it is. It means breath, ruach. It's, uh, It's breath, it's spirit, it's wind in Hebrew. God gives something of his own spirit in his breath, in this respiration, you know? That's how human beings were meant to be, inspired by God, living in in such immediacy to God that every breath that we take is a reminder of God, is is both a a reception of a gift and a way of saying thank you. But we forget, and that's what the fall does. It made us forget made us forget, and then it made us subject to an enemy. I went to visit this nice lady, Agnes. She's 103, and she's been a good Catholic her whole life. She's been a parishioner at Lourdes. Pray for Agnes. Uh, beautiful woman. Uh, she, however, has dementia, and it gets very scary for her. At present, she thinks that, um, well, she can't see anything except out of, like, blurry one eye. She doesn't hear very good. Her daughter was there writing things on the, on the whiteboard and then shoving it in her face to try to get her to, to communicate with her. And Agnes, uh, I was told by her daughter, is now afraid most of the time and panicky because she sees um, bad people coming in her window and she hears voices uh, that are yelling at her and she thinks that, the, you know, that there's, there's trouble and they're trying to come and get her. Isn't that scary? Dementia. It's very sad. Um, I don't understand why these things happen. It's, it is sad. Um, it's, a, it's a suffering. But I did think it was beautiful, and I was impressed and, and thanked God, that when, when I came in to give her communion, I just brought the Eucharist close to her, and she had been talking about, like, uh, asking her daughter, where's my boots? Where's my boots? Where's my jacket? Because she thought she was going out and whatever. And she was all worked up. And she stopped immediately and then wanted to pray. You know? And it was beautiful. You could see a peace come over her. And uh, just at the presence of Jesus. That's beautiful. And that's what God does for us. In our fallen state, we got into this place where we're worried and afraid and assaulted by the devil into a place where, where most people, and that we would be the same without Christ, feel like they just have to survive, scrape by to survive from one day to the next. And yet when Jesus comes, there's a great peace and a confidence that comes to life, a hope, a joy that isn't there otherwise. And he can sustain that. He gives us new life. He protects us, and he gives us new life. He comes along, and he fights off the devil for us. He takes on this devil. 
Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert. He did this willingly. God brought him there so that he could give us an example, so he could do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And the tempter tempts him, and he says, take care of your pleasure. Everybody's worried about their own, um, just taking care of themselves, putting a roof over their head. How do I get a better career so I can, um, I can survive, so I can do better for my, for my own and for myself? You know, how can I, um, we worry ourselves with more stress and anxiety. We know it's not healthy, but we gotta, we gotta take care of ourselves. And Jesus tells the tempter, one does not live on bread alone. And he tells us through telling the tempter by pushing him away. You don't have to, you don't have to provide for yourself. You can trust in God and he will care for us. He'll give us enough. The devil takes him to the parapet of the temple and he tempts him. And he tempts him with uh, this temptation to power. He says, control your life. Prove that your, your life is in your control. Throw yourself off the, off the temple. You'll be okay. And Jesus said, I know, but I'm not going to do it. You know, um, Don't test God. It's, it's a matter of don't, don't control you don't have to control. Don't prove to yourself. Don't spend all of your energy trying to fight this voice that's saying you're not in control. You're not in control. Your life is going to be um, taken from you. People are taking advantage of you. You're weak. And Jesus fights off this voice through the power of God. This tempter takes him to the high mountain. He shows him all the world. And he tempts him with uh, the temptation to honor I need to be loved, I need to be seen, I need to be respected, I need people to recognize all my talents, all my good. If anyone deserved to be recognized and to, to be given the kingdoms of the world, it's this Jesus. And he rejects the tempter. He says, this is not my way. I will not worship anyone but God. He, he fights off the tempter for us, and then he teaches us to do it ourselves. He teaches us to pray. He says, when you pray, pray like this. And I'm hoping to do, throughout Lent, I'm hoping to do a series on the Our Father. But it starts with this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. So Jesus takes us and he says, if you're going to, if you're going to pray, if you're going to learn my way, if you're going to walk in my way, Start with this. Direct your attention to the Father again. Recognize that you are a son and a daughter of God. Start there. You know, the devil says, if you are a son of God like you say you are, that's the temptation of the devil. And Jesus says, this is easy. Place yourself in the presence of your Father. You'll recognize your Father. Who doesn't recognize their Father? Who doesn't recognize his voice? This is the one who made you. Put yourself in the presence of the Father. And then be there in, honor, in order to honor him. Hallowed be thy name. That is, may your name be made holy. May your name be different. May you be recognized as different in the world. May you be respected. May you be known. May you be glorified. That's what I want to do with my life. That's what I want to do with my prayer. Is to honor God, to praise him, to glorify him. Hallowed be thy name. And Jesus gives us this, this promise. If you live this, if you pray this way, if you live in that prayer, 
then you live like you're in the Garden of Eden. You live that life of the Spirit. In baptism, we died with him, we took new life from him, and he breathed into us a new spirit. The, spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of joy and of freedom. And we're inspired throughout our lives. It is false to, to hear from the voices in, uh, of the devil, of ourselves and of the world saying, you are weak, you are uh, unloved, you are unworthy of God's love. Um, you're a fool for believing what you do. All of these voices are, have no power over us any longer. They have power over the children of Adam. We were cowards and we fell to that. But they no longer have power over us. Sometimes we live like they do, but they don't. Know that at this moment, you can be a perfect saint. You can be totally um, awake to the presence of God, to his joy, to his peace. We can be totally detached from all of that that distracts us from this perfect union with God. It's true. It's, it's, and, it's, and it's not difficult. It just feels difficult because we've, we've been convinced that it can be difficult. We've been lulled toward this sleep again. But Jesus says, put yourself in the presence of that Father recognize the spirit that you've received. And so I invite you, those who have been saved, you who have been saved, you who have been filled with new life, given new life, been filled with the Holy Spirit, to rest in that spirit tonight and uh, here at the beginning of Lent. Take that spirit into Lent. Don't be afraid of these little sacrifices that we make. I don't listen to Lady Gaga. I don't eat chocolate or whatever. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to do some hard stuff, too. Um, take inspiration from the spirit that dwells inside of us. We could do even greater things out of love for God. Well, we're beautiful, we're saintly, we're loved by God, and we've been restored to the garden. Well, God has given us a great gift, and it's for the sake of mission. It's for the sake of our knowing that we're loved. It's for the sake of our own thriving. But in the end, we turn our lives back to God and we say, hallowed be thy name. Later we'll say, give me the grace to go on mission and to give away my life. But first we start with the gift to God. Father, hallowed be thy name. I want you to be praised, not myself. I want to live for you and not myself. That's the beginning. So take that prayer. Take that prayer into this week. When you pray it, picture your father. Speak to your father. When you pray it, pray it from the depth of yourself. Recognize that you have the Holy Spirit within you. And then when you pray it, be grateful that you have come from the line of Jesus. Somehow you share his life. Um, this is an amazing life that we live. And uh, this Lent is a beautiful time to be reminded of that.